Hi, Nipi. Hi, Nipi. Hi, Nipi. Wajani wina. Hishankishna. Inikarigiwina. Good morning from the land of 11 nations, or as everyone else calls it, Wisconsin. I'd like to thank everyone to uh, Season 1, Episode 3 of the Chipotle my weekly excursion into our world that is the Ho-Chunk Nation of Wisconsin. Man, what a week. The weather has been breathtaking, close to 70 degrees and sunny every day. Everybody outside doing yard work, fighting off the Japanese beetles and box elder bugs. Uh-huh. At night, the stargazing has been spectacular. Jupiter, Saturn, Mars, the great square of Pegasus, Perseus, Cygnus, even in the early morning with Venus shining so brightly. Man, I can't think of anything else to add. Just a normal, routine first week of November. Oh, yeah. Senator Joe Biden has been elected to the big chair in D.C. Congrats to him. Uh, I have a couple of things I'd like to discuss in this podcast. First thing is a couple of decisions uh, handed down by the Ho-Chunk Nation Tribal Court. Uh, they could signal a high watermark for the Ho-Chunk Legislature. Uh, the second topic is I've invited John Warner on. Uh, number one, he brings a vast amount of knowledge and experience with him due to his education, plus the uh, defining projects he has worked on for the Ho-Chunk Nation during its growth. We'll touch on a few things. Number two, to examine some of the numbers I used in my earlier podcast. Uh, he suggested to me privately that I may have given out incorrect information on the pro forma that the Ho-Chunk Legislature provided for the Linwood Casino. And finally, I just take a quick look at our first ever summer without a powwow. Per usual, if anybody wants to shoot me a quick text on future topics, comments, and or complaints, my email address is moneycookseek at gmail.com. That's M-A-N-I-K-A-K-S-I-K at gmail.com. And with that said, let's... uh. Jump right in. The Ho-Chunk Legislature has acted in an unconstitutional manner. So said the Honorable Trial Court Judge Mary Jo B. Hunter of the Ho-Chunk Nation Trial Court. Judge Hunter issued the decision on October 29, 2020. So ends a dance between the Ho-Chunk Legislature and the executive branch that's been going on since March. In a matter brought before the court by plaintiffs, President Marlon White Eagle and the Ho-Chunk Nation Executive Branch, President White Eagle objected to the legislature abusing its power to reduce the executive branch budget by means of line-eyed budget reductions. Easy for me to say. The Ho-Chunk legislature passed a series of 60- to 90-day resolutions without import from President White Eagle or the executive branch. According to Judge Hunter... A continuation of a temporary budget is allowed only in certain situations, such as when a particular department has not submitted its budget in time for approval by the legislature. It cannot be used on a continual basis for the entire government. The Ho-Chunk legislature passed a resolution that would permit them to approve continuing short-term budgets. Therefore, the court hereby declares that the Appropriations and Budget Process Act is unconstitutional insofar as it permits successive continuing budget resolutions. 
President White Eagle was pleased with the decision, adding that the legislature had never really been challenged before. They had never put in check or had their authority questioned like this. Through numerous articles in the Wodok and even in a YouTube video, Vice President Karina Thundercloud has reiterated her belief that the legislature has acted in a legal and responsible manner. Unfortunately, the nation's court believes that taking this action was a violation. Even though the court's ruling agrees, the legislature needed to pass a continuing resolution. Even defending her uh, defying of an ex parte temporary restraining order to the Ho-Chunk legislature when she called an emergency special meeting to address the ending of a 60-day short-term budgets. Well, there we have it. <clears throat> President Wade Eagle has done what no other chief executive has ever done in my memory. He has legally challenged the authority of the Ho-Chunk legislature in a thorough and meaningful manner. By winning this fight, he's taken away a very powerful weapon from the legislature, the line item veto. This by itself struck fear in every department and every casino manager. Anytime a legislature had a grudge or a difference of opinion, they could make a motion, take a vote, and eliminate the position or positions, or create a situation favorable to their line of thinking. Uh, this really was a nightmare for employees. Um, you know, if you weren't sitting in the right chair, your plans and decisions had to coincide with that of the legislature. It was a tough way to plan a business and a personal life. Uh, this decision by the court reminds the legislature that their job is to approve or disapprove of the entire budget, yay or nay. The president uh, brings a budget to them, and uh, all they have to do is say yes or no. Uh, they do supply input, of course, but in the end, they approve the budget or they disapprove it. That's their job in the budgeting process. Now, does the executive department have the political will to maintain this advantage on the issue? So far, through calm and patient leadership, the administration has shown that they have the will and the guile to engage the legislature. President White Eagle hopes the separate branches of government can move forward at this point and be more respectful of each other's autonomy, as in the separation of powers. It's a win for us, so we are happy with the decision President White Eagle said. All in all, it's a really good thing. This gives the president more power to run the government. And it puts the legislature back to making laws, which is what they're supposed to do. Uh, I don't believe the legislature is a full-time position so they shouldn't be there every stinking day nitpicking and fine fine tuning the tribe they have a job legislate i mean the uh, president has a job and the court has a job if everyone does their job we should be running smoothly and and everyone happily <laughs>
He currently holds the position of business development manager of Ho-Chunk Gaming, Madison. Uh, for those of you not familiar with your background, could you give us a brief outline of your education and a little taste of your employment history with the nation? Sure. Um, I got. Uh, I started college at uh, Haskell for tribal management, and uh, then I transferred to uh, Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado, where I got my bachelor's in tribal policies and administration. And uh, then I finally uh, applied up in Duluth, so I graduated from the University of Minnesota at Duluth with a master's in tribal tribal administration and governance. Um, I've been employed with a tribe. Um, off and on since 93, but uh, I had a few years stint, about about eight years or so in the Department of Business as business development uh, director over there running those operations, developing casinos and doing a lot of construction, new business type things for uh, the nation on a, on a corporate level. Um, been a hotel manager, bar manager, a whole bunch of little little jobs that, uh, that had helped the tribe, you know, whenever I was going back to school, I kind of took a lower management positions, but I've been around. I've built uh, Wittenberg, uh, renovated uh, Madison, did a lot of other construction, had about, I think I have hmm, about 70 million in projects completed for the nation, successful on time under budget. Well, Made a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you got a firm grasp on uh, everything that's needed to operate a casino and open one. Um, Absolutely. Could you expound a little bit on what would be needed for Illinois if we were to go down there? Because that's not uh, trust land. No, this is an actual commercial casino. Those are the uh, the environment for a commercial casino is a lot different than what we're used to in our Igra casinos and Indian gaming regulatory uh, casinos. Uh, commercial casinos are bound by taxation from the states. So first of all, we have to pass their state board. We have to get accepted. We have to pay all these exorbitant fees um to to apply to even you know have a chance at it and then we also have to have the money in bonds to be able to build it we have to have uh agreed to taxation by another jurisdiction if we're to go do that um and and illinois pays a little over 25 percent of their net wind tax and uh cook county is unique in this new modification to law that uh, they have a $30,000 per position uh, reconciliation tax. That means for every machine we'll have to pay, and table game, we'll have to pay $30,000. Um, every machine? Every machine. Every machine in every table position. That's within Cook County. And uh, on top of that, if uh, the Chicago Mega Casino gets in there, they're going to pay, um, they would have to pay another higher percentage, about 40 to 50% of what they are if it, based on the mega mega casino. So Yikes. we have to have a lot of money. We're talking uh, probably about a half a billion dollars. A half a billion dollars. Yeah. Half a billion, 500 million over. <laughs> well, while we're down there, uh, who's going to be our competition? Oh, that's um that's a monster down there. We've got some of the biggest names in gaming. You got Penn, uh, uh, United Penn, uh, Boyd Gaming, Caesars. There's twelve casinos down there, not including everything over in Indiana. Um, and you got a couple tribal casinos over in Indiana as well as the commercial operations. But you know, it, it's it's a heavily saturated market, and 
Um, not to mention that the new bar machines that you had talked about, you know, that that's one more machine for, for bar installation. That's completely cannibalizing that market down there. Yeah. The, uh, the mega casino, that's a 4,000 position thing. Um, it's a monster and it's going to gobble up, um, all the competition's revenue and income they're they're staking their income on the uh if you read the feasibility study from the the union gaming um they're looking at a cannibalization of the indiana market of 269 million dollars alone of indiana that doesn't include the cannibalization of the other casinos within a, a half hour drive of of the the prime chicago and linwood's only 10 minutes away from it, 15 minutes away from it. Those numbers you're throwing around, did you get those from the union um, gaming analytics? Study yes, that, that's uh, the Chicago did. Yep. That's how I got that information. So uh, that kind of alludes to, you, you know, you had, you know, the, an interesting thing happened and you brought it, you know, you, you shared that information with me and you're, you're going to ask a little bit later. I'm going to jump on this while we're talking about the union uh, gaming analytics uh, feasibility study there. I believe, and this is once that thing was issued, that 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 feasibility basically told Chicago, "Hey, wait, this is a great casino. It'll it'll produce over two hundred million dollars of uh, EBITDA or taxable income for the per year for the city of Chicago. But if you if you tax it at your current rate, you're nobody will build there." So basically, that's what the union gaming feasibility said is you you cannot have a casino there at these rates. You really need to reevaluate it. So I believe this is just me that that stall for six months is is kind of a nice thing that COVID happened. It gives them uh, time to restructure the fee structure, the the tax structure in Chicago proper so they can have their mega casino. That's my opinion. That's what I was going to ask you about because uh, the Illinois State Gaming Board moved back the uh, date six months for um, Rockford and I can't remember the other casino. But then uh, a little while later, they're going to work on the south suburbs, which is uh, Linwood. And so basically what you're saying is this is a win-win for the Chicago casino. Absolutely. That's my belief in it. It gives them time to restructure their fee, go back to the, the city the city um, board, make their decisions and drop those fees so they can have uh, that mega casino. Because no no builder would build on those exorbitant fees in um, Chicago proper. And that's what the feasibility basically said. All right. So, but it's, so if anybody wants to look at that, that's the uh, union gaming analytics study uh, done, by, done for Chicago, basically. Yes. And it's on the... Uh, Illinois Gaming Board website, public right. consumption. That's good information. Um, I got to do a mea culpa. So uh, did you hear my first podcast? Yes, I did. Um, okay. I stated some value values from a pro forma that I got my hands on. And um, apparently I got some of my numbers wrong. I was wondering if you could uh, uh, clarify <laughs> some of my mistakes. <laughs> yeah. So I know people... Uh, when I started out in the Department of Business, I got to read a lot of feasibilities. And uh, for the sake of paper space, and often what they do is they drop a few zeros off of the uh, numbers and values. What you did was you you stated the true and actual fact number, but it wasn't in the thousands. It was actually in the millions. So up in the, usually in these feasibility studies, they kind of drop and um, they put uh, – 
put points in there because those numbers can get extremely long and it, and it gets daunting and overwhelming. It takes up page space. So you were kind of correct, but <laughs> definitely wrong. <laughs> All right. So I just wanted to go on record as saying that the, the pro forma stated that uh, on the, I think it's the low end that the tribe would be making um, what? 700. I mean, uh, 76 or something. Yeah. About 76 million by the, by 2027. Okay, that's okay. basically what you're what you're what you're saying, and you know what the that information that was produced uh, doesn't include a lot of the taxes, and that's that Linwood or the Cook County tax of that thirty thousand dollars per position. Um, you know, they, there's I, I'm not so uh, I'm not in total agreement with um, how that those numbers were come came up you know it didn't include any of the cost for construction the amortization schedule you know uh i don't know if you ever heard of that guy dan brown yeah 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 he 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 did uh he did a quick gaming like uh analysis of it called the illinois casino gambit and uh, i think it's out there for public consumption i'm not for sure but he basically broke down um the projected revenue and we're talking uh he took it from, I think, the Chicago Sun-Times. They're looking at uh, about $200 million, I think it was publicly noted or something, that they're going to be able to generate in top-line revenue. Uh, and so top-line revenue to a casino is net win, and then the net win is the, ter- the determining factor of what the tax rate is. So what Dan did is broke it down uh, after costs. So if the nation, based on what they said at $380 million, and I say it's going to be a half a billion, um, after all the tax, after the taxes, after the payment, you know, he projected that we'd be making about uh, 4.5% profit, about $8.4 million annually. How much? $8.4 million annually after everything's taken out That's for a $380 million investment. That's not a lot of money. No, actually, our C stores do better anyway. <laughs> so we could open up a C store in Chicago and do do just as good. Probably for less than cost and investment. <laughs> All right, um, I want to wrap this up. Don't want to tie you up anymore, but I really enjoyed you coming on and helping me uh, fix some of my errors. And I was wondering, maybe sometime in the future, uh, you might come back on and um, pick your brain on some of the subjects coming up. Anytime, and uh, just to give you an FYI, and I'm going to plug myself, and uh, we're looking at doing our own video blog and uh, throwing some information out for our own self for tribal government and uh, the whole Junk Nation as well. Not just we're going to try and do a more educational component to help with the civics, you know, for the tribal members. Excellent, excellent. Looking forward to seeing it. You bet. All right, have a good night. I'll talk to you later. Yep, you too. What was it, March 17th or something, that Governor Evers declared a state emergency concerning the Wuhan virus? It's been a long, dreary series of events that never seemed to end. I was lucky. My job was deemed essential, so my family never suffered the financial devastation that so many families struggled through. Millions of people sacrificed so much during the lockdowns. So much of the things we took for granted were taken from us. One of the things taken from us was family gatherings. Another thing that was taken from us were social gatherings. 
And one of the things taken from us were powwows. In my memory, it was the first summer that we were, there were no powwows. There was no drumming, no singing, no dancing. There were no fry bread stands, no beadwork, baskets. There were no people saying hello to one another on the outside of the arenas. Powwows have changed some since I was young, or maybe I changed. But there was a beat of time, a natural order of things. And summer was a time for powwows. It was something that was passed on to our children. I was always equally proud when I saw our elders dressed and dancing in the arena. And then to see our young children out there dancing by their mothers and fathers. I always enjoyed that. This was a summer without powwows. Hopefully a vaccine will be found and we can return to the arenas just as before. That's it. And I will see you all next week. Have a good week. Hi, Nipi. Hi, Nipi. Hi, Nipi. Good morning from the land of 11 nations, or as everyone else calls it, Wisconsin. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 4, the Chipotake, my little excursion into the Ho-Chunk Nation of Wisconsin. Uh, I'd like to thank both of my listeners. You two are really hanging in there, and I really appreciate it. Okay, this week I'd like to touch on a few things. Number one, the per capita reserve fund. I talked to a legislator about the fund, and it turns out I misrepresented a few things in my diatribe concerning the legislature. Number two. Quick change of direction as I talk about the business of social media and why I think this is something that individual Ho Chunk Nation members should consider. And finally, number three, where I lightly touch on the subject of Ho Chunk Gaming Madison and why I think it should be our flagship. Also, the upcoming AB interchange at said casino. Well, with all that being said, let's get into it. After I lambasted the Ho-Chunk legislature for failing to fund the per capita reserve accounts, I received a text from a legislator who kindly educated me on what was wrong with my diatribe. What I was reminded of is that, A, the president and his administration put together and present their budget to the legislature. B, the legislature reviews the proposed budget and then either approves said budget or disapproves. C, if the budget is approved, the Treasury allocates the funds to the various departments. Then, D, we, as an informed and concerned electorate, follow the actions of our government, and then offer praise or criticism for their actions or inactions. As an aside to this, perhaps we should uh, consider holding our annual general council during this time so that we, the people, can input our thoughts directly into the budgetary process. Anywho... After the per capita resolution was passed, I don't believe a penny has been allocated from the president's office, nor has the legislature approved any monies, and the treasury hasn't placed any money in the reserve account. Well, this has been a failure from the top to the bottom, from the president to us as individual Ho-Chunk Nation citizens. Nobody made this a priority. I blame all of us, however. I would like to offer an excuse why we... why we failed the reserve account as a nation. We live paycheck to paycheck. I mean, that's just, we spend it as fast as we bring it in. 
Uh, I'd like to go back a few years and maybe this will help highlight our collective failure. In 2008, we began something called the Capital Improvements Project. We hadn't done any major improvements on our property since 1999. So, yeah, this is a good idea. Well, let's fast forward a few years and stop for a second. I was going through past issues with the Wodok, and I was amazed at the kind of money we were uh, donating. Every month, it seemed like we had... Anyways, we were just spending money. We must have been flush with cash because we were spending like we were. It was also at this time that the legislature ruled the roost. They spent, they hired, they fired, they... Anyway, let's move on. Eventually, the capital improvement projects became the Capital Reinvestment Fund. And finally, that morphed into the pro- into Project Forward. Now, during this time, someone introduces the idea of a rainy day fund. Well, this idea was, was greeted with smiles up front and a battle against it in the dark alleys of the legislature. In the end, a rainy day fund is established and a little Judah is kicked in. So we got that going for us. Now, the idea of a per capita reserve account is brought into it. And it's a brilliant idea, and it's greeted as such. This is something that we can all get behind. Now, this is where I have to establish that this is all conjecture on my part. Uh, at this time, the Ho-Chunk Nation is spending money like drunken sailors at Port Call. We have just spent $163 million on Project Forward. We've got day-to-day mundane bills that have to be paid. You know, you got government obligations. Uh, we've got salaries, uh, rents, uh, everything. And a a a resolve for the reserve resolution was pushed to the back, and basically we just forgot about it. We've got bills. We've got day-to-day living. Now, this financial snowball just kept rolling downhill until the Wuhan virus punched us all square in the face. It all came to a head. Then, Cindy Tag steps forward and asks where the money is. Well, we know where the money is. It's gone. We spent it. Haven't saved a dime. So, here we are. In the grips of the Wuhan virus, no per cap the last two quarters, and February per cap on the horizon. Well, we got a snapshot audit uh, of the government that should be available to us by our virtual general counsel. But that won't have anything to do with the reserve account because all the audit will show us that we don't have any money. We're going to be struggling just to get that per February per cap. But uh, what the past performance of our legislature and presidential administrations has shown is that we have failed as Ho-Chunk citizens on keeping an eye on our leaders. This falls on us. Just because those people sit in a big chair doesn't necessarily mean that these people are looking at the big picture. They are fighting battles day to day and tomorrow is always a long way off. Here's the bottom line, in my opinion. If we want the per capita reserve account fully funded, this can take sacrifice and resolve by the entire Ho-Chunk Nation. What is it, 78,000 of us? We got to get behind this. Because we're talking about uh, $88 million. Remember when 12 clans asked for that kind of money? Yeah, we politely told them to go pound sand. So... We've got to get behind this. And it's going to take a few years to fund this. And we're going to have to say no to a few things. I'd like to say no to Linwood Casino, but, you know, that's a different story. But we're going to have to say no to things that we're already presently spending money on. In theory, 
the per capita reserve account is a great idea. And I'm just wondering if we have the resolve to fully fund it. I say we do. This podcast is suffering from growing pains. And you, the listeners, are the ones suffering. I don't know how to write. And here I am struggling every week to put these thoughts down in a coherent and uh, express them in a clear and concise fashion. The technology baffles me at times and I get frustrated by my lack of knowledge. It shows quite obviously in the quality of my content and most importantly in the delivery of the content. The audio, the sound, basically the execution. I say all of this for two reasons. One, to apologize for the quality of the podcast in terms of the sound and meandering fashion of my writing. A second reason, this is the most important reason I stumble and bumble across the internet. I want all of you to follow me. Not just in this podcast, not in just this medium, but in all social mediums. I don't mean just me, because there are others who are doing incredible work in all genres of social media, creating wonderful and inventive content. There is a growing industry in the world, uh, I guess the word is infotainment, it all centers on content. I know that the word infotainment is usually reserved for uh, quote-unquote soft news, But uh, hundreds of thousands of people are creating content every day on YouTube, TikTok, Reels, podcasts, vlogs, and blogs. Right now, there are more than 1 million active podcasts, more than 30 million podcast episodes in 100 languages. 500 hours of video were uploaded to YouTube every minute. On TikTok, there are 800 million, no, 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 800 million active monthly users. Man, that's a big number. In 2019... Over 4.4 million blog posts were published every day. That's a lot of writing. Okay, so what does creating content have to do with the Ho-Chunk Nation, you're asking? I'd like to point out just what happened in the news the other week. Thousands upon thousands of Wongshiks came out en masse to vote for Uncle Joe, and he won the U.S. presidency. Now, if we all get up and push each other, we can create some thousands and thousands of hours of quality content. This new industry is a tool that could help all of us out of, you know, week to week, living week to week on paychecks. Um, nobody's going to get rich with this uh, medium right away. I mean, you got to establish a platform from which from that you can grow. And there's myriad ways to grow once you establish yourself. But you have to start. Um, I'd like to point out one obvious learning tool. Our kids, they aren't born with an innate ability to work on an Android or an iPhone, Android, iPhone or a computer. But given a chance, they seize the opportunity to play with it. And once they go to school, all their friends have phones and they're shown how to do things, how to create, how to edit, how to write music, how to write content. Even if this is not the route in life they're going to take, they learn how to use these tools. And this is what I'd like for my whole chunk people to grab this new medium and begin to build a foundation that we can all share. The oppor- right now, the opportunity to create and make money is available to all of us. Um, the youngsters among us have grown up with this technology and they can operate in this new environment with speed and ease. But seasoned individuals who have knowledge and skills can learn to share and sell these skills online. Um, I'm doing these podcasts to show you that all of you can do this. 
Uh, I see some of you out there embracing these new mediums, and you're doing really, really well on um, blogs, uh, videos. Uh, some of you are really doing really well. And uh, you guys are really embracing these new mediums. But I'd like to see all of us creating content, creating videos, podcasts. Uh, but like I said, no one's going to get rich. But if you put the work in and develop your skills, writing, editing, you know, visual, audio, download and uploading, how to learn how to navigate in this new environment, the possibility of adding to your income is, avail is available to all of us. And it's something that um, we can share our ideas, our language, our culture. Um, it gives us, a, the new medium gives us an opportunity to operate on a world stage instead of being locked into a small geographical area with limited opportunities. Uh, like one thing we can start thinking of is, you know, conferences, you know, online conferences, Zoom, uh, FaceTime, you know, we can learn, teach each other how to edit, how to film, how to write, uh, and take our ideas and place these into a, these new mediums. Uh, if you're a Ho-Chunk and you created content of any kind, share it with us. Uh, show us that um, that this new medium is for us. Uh, videos, blogs, podcasts, what have you. I'd like to create a site where we have a Ho-Chunk um, content essentially located so we can just go there and then we can share this with everybody. Uh, Facebook, I don't know, Twitter. I don't know, just someplace we can uh, upload our Po all our posts, our ideas. Uh, I like this quote by Les Brown. The graveyard is the richest place on earth because it is here that you will find all the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled. The books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, the cures that were never discovered. All because someone was too afraid to take that first step, keep with the problem, or determined to carry out their dream. This is something for all of us that we can do. It doesn't cost any money to sit down and write and to post something online, take a YouTube video, a TikTok video. All this stuff is free. All we have to do is create and stay with it. And um, I can't wait to interview new Ho-Chunk content creators and uh, constant dreamers among us.